Amen. Oh, I don't need this, do I? They want to see my butt. I ask you to check it. Can he? Whoa! Yes! BB is in the building. Woo! All right. So, oh, we got to do this. I don't think you have to stand up. We'll just do it in our seats. Hold your Bible. Is that dishonoring Pastor Bill? Okay. I don't want to do that. If we have to stand, we'll stand. I just want to make... I don't want to start out that way. There's no blessing after that. (laughs) No, it's all good. Let's say it. The word of God is truth. If I live the word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Amen. All right, well, tonight we're going to talk a little bit about giving. Yay, because it's that season. But it's titled, What is in Your Hand? Because I just feel like uh, at this time of the year, we're in a great time. This is like Super Bowl for Saints, right? Woo! I mean, Easter is an awesome time, but this is when we get to give like God likes us to give. And I think that's why we enjoy Christmas so much is because we have put ourselves in a position that we can, that we give without thinking about ourselves. Everywhere that we go, we see a need and we're like, oh, I can meet that. Oh, I can, because it's Christmas time and our hearts are open to the giving process and we want to meet everyone's needs. I mean, everybody we come across, we just want to meet their need, whatever it is. And so I think that's why we love Christmas so much is because this is the way we should live our life. And that's where our true happiness comes in when we decide to live our life the way God intended. But we just label it Christmas. It's the Christmas season. Yay. That makes it good. And um, so I'm going to give you some words of encouragement tonight that maybe we'll, you know, spread this idea all through the year. Now, I love to give. And I, you know, I, I wear my poor husband out. Just wear him out. Because I'm like, well, and then I've got to get. So, I, you know, I'm a, a great, great aunt. And so the great nephews and nieces are um, my kids' age. And my nephews and nieces are my age, so they've got kids. And then there's my brothers and sisters, and there's four of them. And then there's all of their families who have kids. And now their kids are having kids, and it's a lot. And I'm like, I got And then there's all of his family, which is ginormous as well. And I got, 
I got to get everybody something. I mean, come on. And you'll, you'll understand why a little later when I tell you about my socks. But uh, I have to, <laughs> I, I just, I love to get everybody a little something that says, you know what, I love you, even though I don't get to see you all the time, even though I don't get to uh, have a relationship with you like I'd like, I still want you to know that I love you and I'm thinking about you. Even, you know, even though the relationship isn't like, you know, we're best buds and we're next door, I want you to know I love you and I'm thinking about you. So I go out and I find these crazy little things and I've got my coupons and I'm looking for deals and he's, he just has to walk away. He just has to walk out. <laughs> Let me know when you're done because I stand there and I'm like, this one or this one? And it's a 50 cent thing. This one or this one? I don't know which one would they like better, you know. <laughs> and it's not something that's going to change their life, but... <laughs> Is fifty cents, <laughs> you know. But it's something. It's something that I want to do for them, and so um, that's just that's just who I am. And so that's a little bit of my background and where I'm coming from. But this is a life of giving. God needs you. You're His hands. You're His feet. You're His persona on this earth. He needs you. And, you know, yes, the first step is saying yes. Thanks, Lori, for paving the way. You know, and, and I had this message on no strings attached. And um, I, that was a great title. I love the idea of it. And I loved, you know, that there's freedom in it when you live no strings attached. And then last night I was in a live and God dropped what's in your hand in my hands. And I was like but I've already got this other one worked up. But I knew when I was doing it, it was more me than God. Bummer. (laughs) And then I was trying to make the no strings attached, how I could just put enough of this what's in your hand to make it all work and I wouldn't have to redo everything because I thought, oh, that would be so much easier. And (laughs) I was trying to make it fit and make it work. And finally, I was sitting at the table this morning because I got my teeth cleaned today, so I took the day off because when you're a teacher and you have to go to the dentist or whatever, you get to take a whole day. Woo, praise Jesus. Love the dentist. Uh, <laughs> I left today, and I was talking about, I love the dentist, la, la, la. I make me know the point. Yes, that's great. And, you know, she's like, nobody ever says that to us. <laughs> I don't care. I love you. <laughs> you're my hooky day. But anyway, so I was standing there, and, and I was sitting there this morning trying to figure it out, trying to make the two things work together. And finally, a lot like Pastor Man, I had to go get in the shower because that's where God talks to me. I was like, okay, God, I'll just get in the shower. And when I get in the shower, you can kind of put it all together. And when I was in the shower, I had to wash my hair and do all that stuff. So I had lots of time. And I was like, yes, that's good stuff. And I, this is so much better than what I thought up. I mean, it is just, you're going to be blessed. So hold on. And it's a, it's a three for three-er. I preached it to myself, made me cry. Then I preached it to my sister. I made her cry. And then I preached it to my dental hygienist. And she teared up. <laughs> it was a near cry, but she needed it. She was like, God put you in my chair on purpose today. I was like, yes. So <laughs> you are going to be blessed. Um, <laughs> John's a little nervous because he doesn't know what I'm he doesn't know what I'm gonna do. All right, let's look at <laughs> Luke 6, 38, because in the youth, you can say about anything. Not here. There's a list. (laughs) 
of things that I should not say, and I'm trying not to. So Luke 6.38. In Luke 6.38, it says, Give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. Then it goes on to say, For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Ooh. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, this is, to me, this is the next step after saying yes. And to me, this doesn't just mean giving of your money. This means all kinds of giving. And in the measure that you give out, it will be given to you. Because God is a God of miracles. God is a God of the impossible. God is a God of the miraculous. And let's look at Matthew 14 for just a second. And in Matthew 14, this is an example of how God took something very insignificant and very small and made a miracle out of it. And he does this all through his word. He does this in a lot of different places. I could have pulled up a bazillion stories, but these are the ones that God gave me. In Luke um, 14, it says, well, I'll start in 13. And when Jesus uh, heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. And this was, I believe, after John was beheaded. Um, But when the multitude heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them. He healed their sick. Uh, When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the village and buy themselves food. But Jesus said, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. He said, bring them here to me. Now, all through the, the, the Bible, God did all kinds of miraculous things. I mean, when the, when the children of Israel needed food, he rained down bread on them. When they complained that they didn't have meat, he rained down quail on them. You know, God could do this a lot of ways. It said, woof, I'm God. You know, but in this instant, he said, what do you have? He said, don't send them away. You feed them. Because he wanted to give them an opportunity to be part of the process. He wanted to give them an opportunity so that when they gave, they would see how good God is. So that when they, they gave out of who they were, of what they possessed... He could do a miracle with it. Now, there's, and and I'm sure there's a lot of times when God says, what do you have? And we see ourselves as having nothing. Because we can't meet the need. So we don't step up and say, oh, I can do that. Or I have something. Because we can't meet the need. There was nobody there that had, you know, a baker's truck full of bread and, you know, a thousand cans of tuna, <laughs> or I guess 5,000 cans of tuna, there's 5,000 of them. You know, there was nobody who had that. There was nobody that could meet the need with what they had. But God said, what do you have? And then the next line he said was, bring it here to me. Give it to me. Let me work with it. Let me do with it. 
And God did a, a miracle, it says. And then he sat, and we know the end of it. He sat him down in 50s, and then he, get, and he fed them all. And he not only fed them all, but there was stuff left over. So even the kid who gave got back more than he gave. You can't outgive God. I mean, he can put it in your hand, and you can give it away, and he can give it back to you just as fast as you give it away. It is a miracle. He is a miraculous God. And, and Jesus knew that. He had faith to believe it. And, you know, the little boy, it took, there was probably other people in, this, in the crowd who had something. But I think it took childlike faith to say, Ooh, I got a lunch. Pick me. I can help. Somebody who had faith enough to believe that I don't know what you can do with this, but you can have it and do what you want with it. Because I don't know how it's going to work, but God, if you want it, you can have it. This is all I have, but take it. You're, you're more than welcome to it. And he gave it. And he gave it without saying, okay, now you know if there's more left over, that should come back to me, right? You know, after you do your miracle, I want that back. He gave it with no strings attached. Ha <laughs> there's a no strings attached part. He gave it with no strings. <laughs> yes. He gave it with no strings attached. No IOUs, no anything, just gave. And he got to see the blessing of God. He got to see the miracle of God. Now, God is not just a miraculous God, but he's also a practical God. You have to see it. Do you see it in you. You have to get it out of yourself and, and, and stop trying to, to see or to think that you have to have, be able to give to give. Because when we don't have enough, what's the first thing we stop doing? Giving. When there's not enough for us, what do we do? We stop giving out. And here's the next story. Let's turn to 1 Kings in 1 Kings 17. And I'm going to read it out of this version because it's the international version. I think it's different than mine. And you can turn there. Uh, Elijah came to the woman and said, um, this is what he said. As she was going to get it, he called and said, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. She was inwardly focused. She was looking at herself. And we all know people who after the end of every sentence, you could almost put, and then I'm going to die. (laughs) Because that's the way their focus is. And surely then I will die. Because my circumstances are that bad. I'm surely going to die. And and almost all of their sentences, and you know, those are the people that when you see them coming, you're like, you know, you're walking the other way like, Hi, (laughs) you know, because they're just looking at themselves. And that is a ploy of the enemy that says, 
if you don't take care of yourself, who is? If you don't look after your needs, who is? If you give that away, what's going to happen to you? If you give, how are your needs going to be met? If you give, you won't get what you want. She, I mean, even though she just had a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil and she was going to make a cake and she was going to die. She had nothing. She had of herself nothing. That was it. That was the end. She wasn't lying. This is all I have. I'm not, you want me to make you a cake? Are you serious? We're going to eat this and die. And so as, as she looked at her circumstances, you know, there was nothing left. But if you read on, Elijah persisted. He gave her hope because she was right. There was just enough for them to have one cake. But Elijah, he didn't have anything either. He didn't have a cake. He was hungry. But what he did have was hope. What he did have was faith. What he did have was an answer because God said. He was following what God said. And he knew there would be provision in what God said because listen to his statement. He said, don't be afraid. Reading on in 1 Kings 17, he said, don't be afraid. Elijah said to her, go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. He knew there was only enough to make one cake. He knew there was only enough to take care of him. But what he gave her, what was in his hands, was hope. What was in his hands was encouragement. He didn't have money to pay for it. He didn't have a way to make up for it. He just had the presumption that if I said it because God said, he will take care of it. That if you give knowing that, that God is going to take care of you, he will. What's in your hand? There are lots of things that... that um, that we are freely given. It says in Matthew 8, 10, it says, you know, freely give, you freely receive, freely give. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those of, who has leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. We've received all these things because we get all bound up in, I don't have anything to give. I don't have anything to give to you. I have nothing of myself. And that's not truth. You have something to give the people around you. Where's your focus? Is it inward or is it outward? Because when you're inwardly focused, it becomes, the devil plays with your mind so much, it becomes such a mountain that you will never overcome it. When all you're looking at is yourself. When all you're looking at is what you have. When all you're looking at is who you are then it becomes this giant mountain in front of you that you will never be able to conquer, that you will never be able to go over, that you will never be able to get around. But when you look at the needs of other people, when you give to other people, when, you, when your whole focus is giving, 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 then you become outwardly focused and your needs just kind of disappear. They kind of get taken care of because that's what God does. The key to, the key to living this fruitful life is giving 
you can't hold it all for yourself and be blessed. You can't just see you and be blessed. That's not the way it works. And um, and in Proverbs, it says one per- Proverbs eleven twenty four. When one person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but becomes to pov- but comes to poverty. You know, this is a principle. It, it, when you go back to the beginning, given it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Where's your focus? And it's not just about you. It's about the people around you. When you give and you live this way, people are encouraged. People's faith grow. You have people in, you know, I have kids in my house that I want them to see that God is their source. I don't want them to look to me as their source because I will most likely fail them at one point or another. Not on purpose, not because I want to, but because that's human nature. But when they have God as their source, then they have something that they can stand on, secure and firm. And, you know, I, I, was thinking, I was thinking about it, you know, our tithing and our giving, if we didn't tithe and give, there would be enough to take care of our son's uh, college checks each time. But if we didn't tithe and we didn't give, where would our life be? Where would our focus be? You know, we can't tell our kids, well, it's okay not to tithe and give when you have a big bill. It's okay not to, not to trust God when you have something big to take care of. And in the middle of it, not only have we got to see God great, they've got to see God great. And, you know, there's a lot of lessons I can teach them. But if they learn, what, if they learn that God's good and they learn that God loves them, and if they learn that when you put the things of God first, that all of your needs are taken care of according to his riches and glory, not according to what you can conjure up. Wow. Quite a lesson. You know, and, and when you lay your de- life down and you say, take what I have. Do what you want with it. This is all I got, God. Do what you want with it. And he does. And your kids get to see that. Wow. Wow. I grew up in home. I was very, very poor. I was very, I was very poor. I didn't know I was poor until I grew up. And then I was like, wow, we were poor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were poor. Uh, you know, government cheese, the whole nine yards. But uh, <laughs> I don't think they, I don't know if they do that anymore. But anyway, um, my, my dad had a heart condition. They were really old when they had me. Surprise. Yeah, that's that's all. That's all to be pushing out a kid, anyway. I'm just saying. (laughs) I'm just saying. So they were old when they had me. So my dad, my dad died at 67. So there's not a lot of years between the time he had me and he died. So his heart started doing some crazy things, and he had to go on medical disability, and. 
retirement and, and, and pension and all that kind of things didn't really happen right. There was two years that we were waiting for pension. I don't know how it worked. Social Security, I think. So anyway, there were two years where there was nothing. Like my, because, and because, because my dad was dying or thought he, you know, had a heart thing. Because my dad had a heart thing, my mom stopped working so she could be home with him. Okay, that's two incomes gone. So we had $500 a month, and the mortgage was 450 Right. I know. I didn't know that. We were poor. <laughs> we were really poor. But in the middle of it, I never saw my parents stop giving. I never saw my parents. We never knew who was going to be on the couch on Saturday morning because my mom drug somebody home with us. Oh, you need a place to stay? Stay here. You know, <laughs> or who was going to be at the kitchen table to eat dinner with us? We never knew. I mean, they never stopped giving. They never stopped tithing. They never stopped telling people about Jesus. They never stopped putting their money where their mouth was. If somebody needed something, they got it. You know, my dad, gonna, I need gas money, Dad. I mean, he'd dig in his pockets. And, <laughs> there you go. You know, whatever change is there, get whatever gas there is and go have fun. Awesome. You know, <laughs> but for two years we lived like that. And I never knew the difference. I never thought I was poor. They didn't talk like they were poor. They didn't talk like they didn't have anything. They didn't talk like there was nothing to give. They didn't talk like I'm a victim. Never once. I never knew I was poor because of their attitude. Because they always said, God will take care of us. End of story. And, and that was a testimony to me. And... um. This is probably the part we'll all cry. Um, <laughs> when I was about eight-ish, I don't know, my, and I'm not a horribly sentimental person, and I don't know how these things have made it. Because I normally don't hold on to stuff. But when I was eight, my sister, at Christmas time, sent me a pair of socks and a brett. Now, my sister was also, at the time, very poor. <laughs> I don't know, we went through a season. But uh, she was very poor. And this is why I have to buy everybody something, by the way. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) she sent me a pair of socks. Now, an eight-year-old is not going to be like, Whoa, yes, socks. Yay. (laughs) And I, you know, apparently, looking back at the photographs, I love knee-high socks because I've got them on a lot. There's a lot of pictures of me like, you know, and I'm standing around my tennis shoes. <laughs> I got some knee-high socks on. But my sister gave me these socks. And at the time, they were like, oh, yeah, I got socks. And I wore them, and I loved them. But I didn't appreciate them, you know, quite as much. But somehow they've stayed with me. I still wear them. There was, so there's no holes in them. Praise Jesus. But uh, I know they're miracle socks, but uh, (laughs) it's a miracle. No, Um, but it's a testimony to me because she had nothing and she gave. And it's in those places where you have nothing that you learn how to give. And when you learn how to give, when you have nothing, that's where you get to see God good. 
And I called my sister and I told her, I said, I am going to talk about the socks that you gave me. Do you know how old I was when you gave No. <laughs> I don't even remember the socks. I'm like, okay. Well, um, but I started talking to her. And she started telling me about how when she was poor and my brother at Christmas, for three Christmases in a row, bought presents for her boys the same way that she would have bought for her boys if she were buying them herself. And she said, that's the way it works. You do what you do when you can. And whatever you have, whatever season you're in, whatever season you're in, what you have in your hand, what God tells you to give will change somebody's life. She said, that's where I learned of the goodness of God. That's where I learned of the giving heart that God has. When somebody gave to me when I didn't have anything. And that's where I learned of the goodness of God. Because she has more stuff now than you can shake a stick at. I mean, she's got a holodome pool in the back of her house. She has, <laughs> she has an abundance. And she has rooms and rooms of stuff that mean absolutely nothing to her. You could walk in and God would say, they need that. And she'd be like, put it in your truck. You know, if you don't have a truck, I'll give you a truck. You know, I mean, she... It's amazing. It has absolutely no hold on her life. No hold on her life because she knows it all belongs to God because he gave it to her. Because she gave when she didn't have anything. And she saw God move and she learned how to trust and she learned how to be who she was supposed to be in the middle of nothing. And God has blessed her. It goes back to Proverbs. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another person withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. She, she you know, I, I come, if nothing else, if my family didn't teach me anything else, they taught me how to give and how to trust God. You can't talk me out of trusting God. You can't talk me out of, out of the idea that if I give all this away, I'm going to die. Nope. <laughs> if I give all this away, God's going to give me more to give away. Yes. I mean, just this last week, I gave my birthday money away to somebody for their birthday. I was, and we were, you know... <laughs> and we were at a thing, and, and at a ladies' thing, and there was a little girl there, and she needed to see God was real. And I'm like looking at my purse, like, what do I have? What can I give her? <laughs> you know, please, Lord, let something appear in my purse that will be magical to her. You know, and there, poof, a gift card that somebody gave me. It's like, yes, <laughs> here, take this. God wants you to know that He loves you. And before I could finish all that, somebody else gave me money. I mean, just to replace that. I mean, there's no outgiving God. There's no stopping it. When you give because God said, and when you give because he loves, and when you give because you're, because you have to. <laughs> it's like, I just have to, sorry. <laughs> I have to give it away. You know, there's no stopping that. 
There's, uh, huh? Sorry. <laughs> but you give of yourself. There's something you have to give. You can give sympathy. You can give encouragement. You can give time. You can give your table. If you're putting food on your table, there's stuff to share. And it doesn't matter that your plates don't match. My mom told me once, she said, I've never had anybody turn down a meal because my forks didn't match. And And that's truth. (laughs) You have talent. You have an ear. You, you, in places of nothing, you learn how to give the most important thing. You give yourself. And you can't stop giving because you think what you have is insignificant. You can't stop giving because it's not the gift. See, this is, this is strings attached giving. When you give because you want somebody to say, Oh, that's the best gift I've ever gotten. You're so awesome. Now, you do want them to do that. But... <laughs> But if you're giving, if you won't give because your gift isn't going to do that for somebody, you need to check your heart. Why are you giving the gift to begin with? When you give, it's just amazing. It's amazing. There's freedom when you give. You're taking your life and you're choosing to give it away. And the word will tell you, when you give all of yourself away, when you lay your life down before God, and he tells you what to do all the time, it's going to be like prison. That's a lie. There's peace. There's freedom. There's joy. And you're going to either be a slave to righteousness or a slave to sin. And the choices you make will put you in one of those two categories. And personally, I'd rather have Jesus being my puppet master than the devil. Because he hates me. And there's nothing about me that he loves. There's nothing about me that he wants to see be better. There's nothing about me that's cute to him. But God, wow. He loves me. He wants the best for me. And if you're going to hook yourself up to somebody, hook it up to Jesus. And you will see awesome, awesome things. We're going to finish it up with, you know, God said, because you're allowing the love of God to flow through you, wait, Never look at how this is to be beneficial, just but just giving because God said. Giving because God loves. You know, this goes back to the, to the idea of loving your neighbor more than you love yourself or as you love yourself. You know, that, that's quoted from Leviticus to James, that passage. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. You have something on the inside of you to give. What's in your hand? And, and, and when, when I was preparing for this, it was like I saw 
people weeping at Jesus' feet, saying, God, I have nothing. I can't do this because I have nothing. There's nothing good in me to give. I don't have a great gift. I don't have a great talent. There's nothing in me to give. And he said, what you have is good enough. What you have is good enough. What you have is good enough. Don't fall prey to judging what's in your hands as unworthy or insignificant. God has done much, much more with way less. Much, much more with way less. Let's pray. If you guys want to stand up with me. Tonight I just felt like um, the thing that I should pray for was that God would show you what's in your hand. And it'll change situation to situation, place to place, time to time. It'll change. But there's something in your hand that you can give tonight. And as we move towards Christmas, this is a time of year where we get really in a funk if we can't give the way we want to. It becomes like a weight, a heaviness. Because, you know, there's lots of pressure to just make a lollapalooza of Christmas. You know, it's just like... But there's a... We have great and creative gifts on the inside of us. And I believe God's going to show you how to do what you can do with what you have. And make it special make it special.